December the 12th, in 2017, I'm Wong Zhu, and at the moment, I'm all by myself. I think Patricia's overslept, so I sent her a quick email, so if she gets up to the third floor, she'll just join us, if not, we'll give her a night off. January, we're wrapping up rehearsal, we have a show this Saturday, so tonight's the rehearsal night. So that's where they are at. So right now you are just with me. I'm live at 714-545-2071. It's a beautiful Tuesday night here in Costa Mesa, California. December 12th. Here 2017. Let's see, December 12th. Well, Frank Sinatra was born on this date in 1915. So Sinatra was with this. He would have been Anyway, it's the first night of Hanukkah, so for our Jewish listeners out there, happy Hanukkah. And I believe Michael Field is going to play some Hanukkah records this Sunday night. So that should be interesting, and we should learn a lot. So that will be this Sunday night, December the 17th. Before then, Mary Hunter will feature party show part 2. Anyway, Patricia and I will do our traditional set show on Saturday, Saturday the 16th. Uh, except for Patricia, she, she's up to doing some extra bonus hours that afternoon. Uh, ah. I can like good music in the background. Let's see what we got here. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we'll see what Patricia's schedule is like. On the 15th, Joe Webb will be back with us, with John Larry and I, to talk about Casey Klein's photographer. We're going to be with you for the next month or so, Monday through Thursday, starting at 9 o'clock West Coast time, so this is our first week of doing it, first of four. So tonight's the 12th, so we'll be with you next week, starting Monday the 18th, and Christmas night. I bet we'll have the whole game, Patricia, John, Larry, and I will be all together that Christmas night to be with you. And then, of course, the week of January 1st. John Larry's birthday is the second, by the way. So, Patricia and I will hold down the fort Christmas Eve, both during the day for a while. Christmas Eve since 2007, so it is tradition around here. Anyway, so then Michael Beal will join us with some uh, Christmas records. Michael Beal will be with us on New Year's Eve, and he'll play Ben Grauer recordings on that night. Anyway, my mom's going to have some surgery on Friday, December 22nd, so there's a good chance I'll be late show. And if that's the case, John Lurie will hold down the show until I get started, and Craig Richman, Richman, who's written a book on the Christmas Carol, the radio version, will be at his mom's home from Ohio, and he sent us a recording today. And so, we'll kick off with him on the 22nd. 
for those who some of the stuff, we do have two podcasts I like to get out, the word out. Patricia and I have, uh, she has one called the Saturday, the, uh, the Golden Days of Radio podcast. Music. We really got 3,400 people have downloaded, so thank you so much for doing that. And so please, please do that. That would be great to see those numbers go up. Then Frank Proceeds has a podcast. We just had a bunch of new Frank shows up today at the Golden Days of Radio. And that's also on TuneIn, iTunes, Sketcher, Google Music. We're trying to get Yes to US. Thank you for the opportunity of being here, bless this wonderful country we live in. Look after the men and women who serve in the armed forces, Lord. Bless each one of them. Look after their families, Lord. Look after the needy. Look after the homeless, Lord. They may need shelters this time, but please take care of each one of them out there. Help the hungry, Lord. Feed them. Clothe them. Help those who are in a financial difficulty. Give them some, some comfort, Lord, this time of the year. Look after our friends and neighbors, Lord. We ask this in our families. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright. So, thank to Bill and Kim for allowing me to run the blue for a while. So, this is always a lot of fun been a tradition for us for a long time so if you're ready i'm ready let's play the screen director's playhouse here on yesterday usa and we'll be back screen director's playhouse stars carrie grant irene dunn production my favorite wife Director, Garson Kanan. This is the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama. Brought to you by the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia, Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. The cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope. Your local Ford dealer, who is now displaying the new 1951 Ford, the car that's built for the years ahead, and RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television.
Tonight, the Screen Directors Playhouse is pleased to present a classic in comedy. Irene Dunn and Cary Grant, starring in our adaptation of Leo McCary's production for RKO, My Favorite Wife. But first, no matter what you now take for headache relief, we urge you to try Anison for the incredibly fast relief these tablets bring the next time you're suffering from a headache. Now, the reason Anison is so wonderfully fast-acting and effective is this. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people have received envelopes containing Anison tablets from their own dentist or physician, and in this way discovered the incredibly fast relief Anison brings from pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. So the next time a headache strikes, take Anison for this wonderfully fast relief. Anison, A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison at any drug counter in handy boxes of 12 and 30, economical family size bottles of 50 and 100. Now, here is the first act of My Favorite Wife, starring Cary Grant and Irene Dunn in their original roles of Nick and Ellen Arden. Consider a bottle floating in the Pacific Ocean. Ah, if only fate would cast it on some shore where human eyes might read the note inside. The note that says... Ellen Arden is alive and well. I survived the sinking of the freighter Milton A. on August 5th, 1943. Am living on an island approximately 200 miles south of the point of sinking. Please notify my husband, Nicholas Arden, Los Angeles, California, USA. If only these words might reach the ear of Nick Arden. But no, fate would have it otherwise. For seven years, the bottle floats, and now Nick has fallen into the clutches of another woman, Bianca Bates. The bottle floats, and Nick is sunk. <laughs> Nick, darling, isn't it time we thought about marriage? Mm -hmm. Marriage, Bianca? Marriage? Yeah, well, let's think about it sometime, yeah. Now, Nick. All right, I'm thinking. You can't go on brooding over Ellen for the rest of your life. Ah, uh, wonderful woman, Ellen. You should have known her. Well, what about me? Mm, all right, let's talk about you. Now, have you read any good books lately? <clears throat> yes. I'm talking about marriage. Yeah, well, I was just wondering if my children would understand that. I'll be a mother to Timmy and Chinch. Oh. Uh, as a lawyer, here's the way I look at it. Nick, this isn't law. It's us. A man and a woman. Yes, Bianca. You're lonely, aren't you? Yes, Bianca. You love me, don't you? Yes, Bianca. <laughs> well, Nick? Mm. I've got an idea. What? Let's get married. Well, this is the room, Bianca. Court of General Sessions. Nick, I still don't see why we have to be married by a judge. Oh, get everything done in one place. He'll rule Ellen legally dead and marry us. <laughs> it's morbid. And, Nick, why do you insist on wearing that black tie? Uh, sign of respect. 
But darling, <laughs> it's our wedding day. Oh, Nick, I bought this other tie for you to wear. It's more suitable mm. for a wedding. Well, I can't put it on now, dear. Before the ceremony, then. Huh? Well, come on, Bianca. We're already a little late. Clerk, where are the parties in the matter of Arden versus Arden? Right here, Your Honor. Well, about time. Sorry, Your Honor. Now, just stand here, Bianca. All right, darling. Young woman, what are you doing with that tie in your hand? Are you a tie salesman? Hey, clerk, how did this tie salesman get in here? Uh, she's with me, Your Honor. Are you a tie salesman? Oh, no, I'm Nicholas Arden. Arden? Hey, that's a familiar name. Arden versus Arden, Your Honor. The brief is on your desk. You're, why didn't you say so? <laughs> You're an attorney, Mr. Arden. Why weren't you here on time? Now you'll just have to wait. I'm supposed to marry somebody. Me, Your Honor. You? You got a license, got a ring, got a bride? Yes, Your Honor. But uh, first, the matter of Ellen Wagstaff Arden, my former wife. A young woman, are you his former wife? I should say not. You don't raise your voice. There's such a thing as contempt of court, you know. Well, <laughs> Your Honor, Ellen Wagstaff Arden was lost at sea. Oh, yes, yes, I remember now. I've got it all here in your brief. My former wife was working as a news photographer during the war. She was aboard the freighter when it hit a reef. Uh, will you let me read the brief? Sorry. Oh. Yeah. It says here you have two children. My, that's sad, very sad. It happened seven and a half years ago. Yeah, I know, I know I can read, can't I? Well, there's a final summing up, Your Honor. You'll find it on page ten, right here. Yeah, I'll find it myself. Oh. Yeah. No, here it is on page ten. Well, if I can explain, Your Honor... Uh, nothing to explain. Sworn affidavits, laws to see, no evidence to the contrary. The law is clear. I hereby pronounce Ellen Wagstaff Arden legally dead. Oh, Nick, we're finally free. Young woman, stop waving that tie in my face. Your Honor, this is the woman I intend to marry. This tie salesman? Oh. <laughs> I am not a tie salesman. I'm his bride. Amazing. Man's wife hasn't been dead five minutes and he's getting married again. <laughs> hey, Mr. Arden, are you sure you want to marry this woman? Of course he's sure. Of course I'm sure. Hmm? Where's the license? Right here, Your Honor. Now, will you please take off that horrible necktie? What? What's wrong with my necktie? Oh, no, no, not you. Uh, nothing, Your Honor. Yeah, no, I no. distinctly heard her say... No, she meant me. Now, pardon me, Your Honor. I, I just want to change ties. Now, oh. I don't understand this at all. Hey, clerk, do you understand oh, this? I can't get the knot undone. Well, let me help you, dear. Yeah, yeah, but wait a minute, Bianca, you're choking me. Well, I'm trying, yeah, yeah, just really pushing it the wrong way. I'm Fate, perverse fate, is playing a strange trick on Nicholas Arden. For even as he is being married, a figure garbed in ragged seafaring clothes is walking up to the door of the Arden home. Hello, how are you? He's a sailor, I can tell. Hello there. See, Chinch, it's not even a he at all. Are you a lady sailor? In a way. Our mommy was drowned at sea, wasn't she? Uh-huh, and we're not supposed to know. Timmy, do you miss her very much? Oh, sure. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know. And your sister's name is Chinch. Gosh, you're swell-looking kids. Daddy says we look like our mommy. Would you like to have her back? Can't have her back. She's drowned. But maybe... I'm sorry, ma'am. We're not allowed to talk to strangers. But Chinch... We're not allowed to talk to strangers. Is your daddy home? No, just Grandma. Uh, pardon me, I heard you talking. Is there something... Uh... Hello, darling. Oh. oh, now don't faint. 
Is it? Uh, Ellie? It is, it oh, is. then I'll faint. Oh, now, don't be a sissy. Oh. Uh, Ellen, good heavens. Alive and eating well. Oh, Ellen. Oh, I think I'm going to cry. Don't be a sissy. <laughs> Let's go in, into my house. Yes, you know, I, I just can't believe it. When? How? Why, we thought you were drowned. No, darling, definitely not drowned. And where have you been? An island, a horrible island. How's Nicky? Nicky? Yes, your son, my husband. Oh, but he, he, he's fine. Handsome? As ever. Prosperous? Well, reasonably. <laughs> uh, Ellen? Yes? Uh, uh, Nick's married again. What did you say? Nick, he's married. Oh. oh I, I never thought of that. Seven years, Ellen. Oh, yes, seven years. Is she nice? No. <laughs> Anyone I know? No. Her name is Bianca Bates. Bianca Bates? <laughs> well, at least Nick hasn't lost his sense of humor. <laughs> Mother. Uh, yes, Ellen. How long did he wait? Oh, a long time. Until today. Until today? You were declared legally dead this morning, and then Nick married Bianca. Uh, they're driving to Yosemite for the honeymoon. Yosemite? Not our hotel. Well, you see, uh, Nick had business in San not Francisco. Not sweet, eh? Not the same room. Oh, he couldn't. Oh, Helen, my dear, I, I'm so sorry. If only you would have gotten here yesterday. Oh, wait, a minute, wait a minute. I'm thinking. Yes, yes. Married this morning, driving to Yosemite. Mother, uh, does Nick love her? He doesn't love her. He just married her. Do planes still fly to Yosemite? Well, I guess so. What have you got in mind? It's what Nicky has in mind I'm worried about. Mother, I'm flying to Yosemite. Would you like to join madcap Bob Hope in an airplane ride? Well, here's what might happen if you did. Bob, the pilot has a request to make. Will you please stay in your seat and keep away from the controls? You almost fouled up the flight. Oh, I don't think what I did was so bad. Oh, come now. All I did was make a rabbit's head with my fingers on the radar screen. <laughs> anyway, that pilot resents me. How do you know? He keeps fastening my safety belt. Well, what's wrong with that? To the propeller. <laughs> South Chesterfield. You know, the real test for mildness in a cigarette is as old as tobacco itself. And it's also the easiest test in the book. It's just as simple as this. Make your next pack Chesterfield and open them, smell them, smoke them. And prove what every tobacco man knows. Tobacco that smell milder, smoke milder. Chesterfield, Chesterfield always wins first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you'll smoke them. Don't forget to give Crosby for Christmas. I mean the Chesterfield Christmas carton with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. Now here is act two of the Screen Director's Playhouse production of My Favorite Wife, starring Irene Dunn as Ellen and Cary Grant as Nick. Ah, fate. Pickle mistress of men's lives. 
See what a stunning blow she is about to deal Nick Arden. For as he and his bride, Bianca, park their car at the Yosemite Honeymoon Hotel, disaster lurks at the reservation desk. Its name is Ellen Arden. Front, front this gentleman to room 12. Now, madam, what can I do for you? My name is Mr. Pentwhistle. Uh, Mr. Pentwhistle, I wonder if my husband has arrived yet. Mr. Nicholas Arden. Oh, yes, the honeymoon couple. Are you his bride? I'm one of them. Well, our hotel caters to honey. One of them? Yes, one of them. The way you say that makes my blood run cold. I bet I've shocked you. (laughs) Silly old-fashioned me. You still haven't answered my question. Has Mr. Arden arrived yet? Why, no, he hasn't. Oh, thank goodness I'm in time. Uh, I hesitate to ask this question. In time for what? You know, I bet this sounds silly to you, but I'd just like to bite his ear and run my fingers through his hair. Uh, Not in this hotel, you know. Oh, it's perfectly all right. Yes, I'll bet it is. Uh, Do you want to tell me all about it? Well, that's awfully sweet of you, Mr. Pentwhistle, but... I think I'd like to freshen up. Oh, of course. You'll find a lovely powder room at another hotel eight miles down the road. <laughs> oh, oh, I won't be going that far. Eh, well, maybe I'm just narrow-minded. Pentwhistle speaking. Now, this is the garage, Mr. Pentwhistle. Just parked Mr. Nicholas Arden and wife. They're on the way up. Oh, my goodness. Oh, good evening. Are you Mr. Pentwhistle? Yes, yes, I'm Mr. Pentwhistle. I have reservations for my wife and myself, Nicholas Arden. Your Nicholas Arden? Yes. Nick, why is he staring at you like that? I don't know. Is something wrong? Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) I don't understand you. You don't understand me? Nick, may we go to our room? Yes, dear, yes, dear. Now, Mr. Pentwhistle, my wife is tired. Oh, oh, so she's one of the brides. What do you mean, one of the brides? Do you have more? <laughs> do you have more? That's what this hotel is worried about. Oh, now, now, please, this is my wife. Yes, I'm sure she is. So if you'll just show us to our room. Very well. Front, sweet A. Uh, uh, oh, sweet A, but I don't want sweet A. Why not? Well, sir, it's one of our very best. Well, haven't you something else? Well, I'll look. Mr. But Eby... it's their best, uh, Nick. Y- yes, I, I, I know. But, but for you, Bianca, the best isn't good enough. <laughs> I can let you have sweet C. It's just been redecorated. Do you mind the smell of fresh paint? I love it. I hate it. We'll take it. Nick! <laughs> smell, smell of paint? Good for the indigestion. You run along, Bianca. I'll be up as soon as I register. All right, darling. I'll be waiting for you. Please hurry. Yeah, please just sign here. Yeah, thank you. I, <clears throat> you see, I, I couldn't take sweet A. You've been here before. You understand, don't you? Yes, and it gives me goose flesh. <laughs> Here's the pen. Oh, thank you. <clears throat> Mr. Arden, there's something I would like to get off my mind. What is it? There's a woman around here. She wants to bite you on the ear. <laughs> Which ear? Well, I don't know. Well, what difference does it make which ear? Now, look, is this some kind of a joke? Yes. Yes, you can laugh. You're not a hotel manager. 
Oh, oh, my goodness. Now, now, what's the matter, Mr. Pentwhistle? She's coming back. Who's coming back? The other bride. What other bride? The one with the teeth. What teeth? Ouch! My ear! Oh, hello, Nicky, darling. Oh, hello, Ellen. Uh, Ellen? Yes. Ellen? <laughs> oh, Ellen! He's fainted. What do we do, Mr. Pentwhistle? Do you want my advice? Yes. Put a coconut in his mouth and pretend he's a potted palm. <laughs> Front. Are you feeling better, Nick? Dizzy. Very dizzy. It was nice of Mr. Pentwhistle to let us use his office. Oh, Ellen, we've got to talk. Yes, we certainly do. What's the idea of your getting married? Well, that's just it. My wife... I'm your wife. Oh, Bianca isn't going to like that. Well, I'm not going to like Bianca. Uh, well, Mr. Arden... Oh, hello, Mr. Pentwhistle. Uh, how do you feel? As if I'm going in circles. Yeah, well, the next time you pass this way, there's a phone call for you. Who from? Your wife. The other one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You can use the phone on the desk. This I have to hear. Oh, Nick. Nick, before what? you pick it up. Yes, Ellen? A kiss. Hmm. Mr. Arden. Hmm. Would you mind stop scuffing my rug? That's all I wanted to know. Oh, my, 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 my. <laughs> Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Not a thing. No. <laughs> now you can talk to Bianca. Bianca? Yes, the phone, the phone. Phone? Phone? Oh, oh, hello, who's this? Nick? Oh, Bianca. Oh, hello, Bianca. What's new? Nick. <laughs> Don't you say darling anymore? Yes, darling. A darling. Ouch! What happened? Well, I, I, I just barked my shins. Just a minute, Bianca. Now, Ellen, stop kicking me. Well, you cut out that darling. Well, just don't kick me. Hello, Bianca. Where are you? Uh, barbershop. But why? I'm waiting for you, darling. Need a haircut. But you don't need a haircut. Shave. You've shaved this morning. Shampoo? Yes. Oh. Please, hurry. Don't forget this is our wedding night, darling. I'll tie a string around my finger. I'll be waiting, Nick. I'll be right up, darling. Oh, 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 forgot, forgot. What does she want? Right up, Bob. Huh? What oh. does she want? Well, she said she's hungry. Wants a corned beef sandwich. Oh. <laughs> Well, if that's all she wants, you just stay right here and let Mr. Pentwhistle go. Uh, Mr. Pentwhistle would just as soon stick his neck in a bread slicer. Emma, now listen. Let's go somewhere where we can be alone. Yes, where? Your room. Oh, oh, oh but I don't have one. Well, then I'll get you one. Mr. Pentwhistle... Uh, uh, don't say it. Don't just, say it. Now, a room for Mrs... Uh, um, for Miss Wagstaff. Oh, why did I ever run away from the pool room? <laughs> Take Sweet A if you have it. But you don't like Sweet A. Mm-hmm. He does now. And then along came the freighter, and I lit the fire on the hill, and that's all there was to it. Mm. Seven years on an island. Seven years. Oh, I've missed you, Ellen. So have the children. I saw them. They're darling. <laughs> Did you tell them yet? No, not yet, Nick. I want to do it gradually. It'd be kind of a shock. Shock? 
The most shocking thing of all is that I'm married again, and I'm still terribly in love with you. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think that's shocking, how would you like to come home after seven years and find your husband checked into a hotel with another woman? Oh, now, she's not just another woman. She's my wife. Mm-hmm. Seems to me you just bagged more than the legal limit. <laughs> how in the world did this happen to me? How did I suddenly become a bigamist? The question is, what are you going to do about it? Well, naturally, I want to do the right thing by everyone. Well, fine, then you start by telling Bianca. Oh, no, can't do that. Well, why not? Well, she wouldn't understand. Sensitive, high strung. Not as high strung as I'd like to see her. Oh. <laughs> You just leave this to me. All right, then you just march right into her room and tell her that your wife's come back. On her wedding night? Yes, tell her she got bumped by higher priority. (laughs) You can't bump Bianca. Mm, Well, nothing could be farther from my mind. (laughs) Nicholas Arden, do you love that woman? No. Do you love me? Yes. Well, just don't do something. Stand there. All right, as soon as I get a shave and a haircut. Oh, Nick, stop stalling. Oh, well, now, Ellen, be reasonable. I, I just can't walk in there like a dope and say, sorry, my mistake, marriage is off, can I? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just say it or I will. Well, all right. In that case, I'll say it. Yes? Uh, Mr. Arden, I don't want to be prissy about this, but uh, your wife would like to see you. Which wife? Which wife? The one in Sweet Sea. Oh, that's why. If you'll follow me, please, Mr. Arden. Ellen, I'm off to see Bianca. I'll be strong. You'd better be, or I'll tell her myself. Right down this hall, Mr. Arden, is your suite. It's a nice suite. Your wife is a nice woman. Which wife? The one in Sweet C. The one inside this door. Now, why don't you go inside and stay there, now, please? Now, let me explain. It's as simple as A, B, C. Now, don't tell me you got another one in B. <laughs> Mr. Penfester, Mr. Why don't you just forget about me and my problem? Good night, Mr. Arden. Good night. <laughs> oh, what a problem. Now, now, Bianca. Now, Bianca. Oh, no, that's not strong enough. Oh, no. Now, now, Bianca. Something's come up. This is the situation. Truth is stranger than fiction. Uh, Bianca, there's something between two people who've been married that you don't get between two people who haven't been married. <laughs> French, French, French have a word for it. Now, 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 let me see. Is that right? Yeah. All right. Now, 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 be big, Bianca. Be brave. You will? That's a girl. Nick. Bianca, something's come up. What? My wife. Nick, you're talking so strangely. Bianca, there's a situation between two people who've ever been married. Truth is stranger than a Frenchman. Be brave. Be brave. Come on, you'll have a word for it. Nick, I don't understand you. Oh, you don't? Well, in that case, good night. Darling. Oh, darling. Are you just bashful? Is that what's wrong? Uh, bashful. Yeah, that's it. Buck fever. See you later. Nick. Well, going down to get a deck of cards. Canasta. Uh, come inside. Come on, Nick. Well, all right. I've sent down for some champagne. Oh, can't drink the stuff. Gives me hiccups. <coughs> like that. <coughs> Terrible. All right, darling. Now, why don't you relax and put your dressing gown on? Just like me. Oh, I'd look silly in your dressing gown, behind you. <laughs> Darling, darling, don't 
afraid of me? I'm your wife. No, that's what I'm afraid of. Oh, Nick. Come on, put your arms around me. Well, are you sure your mother won't mind? <laughs> We're man and wife, darling. Now, what would you like to do? Answer the phone. Hello? Hello? Mrs. Ellen, did you tell her yet? No, not yet. I'm working up to it. I'll be right in. Oh, no, no, don't. Hello? Hello? Who's that, Nick? Well, well, it's an important client. Very important. Got his papers caught in the corpus. Have to go back to work tomorrow, no? Oh, I'll get back right now. Start back. Have to file a quick affidavit. No time to explain. Hurry, hurry. Hey. Get me into that room. Oh, now, don't try to stop me. All right, I'll tell her myself. All I need is time. What were you doing in there? Briefing her. <laughs> Get out of my way. Oh, now, Ellen, Bianca and I are not going to spend the night in the hotel. Oh, you aren't? No. No, we're, we're driving back home. Now, oh. why don't you catch the next plane back and we'll settle everything in a nice, civilized manner? Oh, I know your civilized manner. That's what got me into this hotel seven years ago. Ellen, <laughs> Ellen, I promise you, I promise you I'll tell her. Well, now, come on, let's go back to your room. Seven lonely years. All those years on an island. Nobody to talk to. Nothing but memories. My love for you and the will to stay alive hoping against hope that you'd wait and then to come home and find myself legally dead. I know, Ellen, dear. I'll make it up to you. Yes? Well, well, you are fickle, aren't you? Just leaving, Mr. Pentwhistle. Uh, before you do, would you mind delivering a message to your wife... Uh, to that woman... to whoever she is in there with you? Right. Fire away. A uh, Mr. Stephen Burkett phoned earlier. Stephen Burkett. Yes. He says to tell her he left her things from the island with her mother-in-law. Uh, things from the island? Mm-hmm. And that seven years together wasn't nearly enough. He'd like to see her again. Goodbye and good luck. <laughs> Stephen Burkett? Stephen Burkett. Uh, what did you say, Nick? Uh, just a minute. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Now, let me think. Things from the island. And, uh, uh, Nicky, years, not... Nicky. Ellen? Nicky, I can explain. Now, was there a man on that island with you? Uh, what island? You know what island? Oh, that island. Well, was there a man with you? Uh, pardon me, dear. Well, was it? Wait a minute, where are you going? Out. Out where? For a shave and a haircut. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I bring you an invitation. An invitation to examine the fine new Ford for 1951. It's on display now at your neighborhood Ford dealers, and we want you to see it. We want you to drive it, because this car is the finest Ford ever produced. It's a quality car. A car that's designed and built to give you lasting satisfaction in the years ahead. When you inspect the 1951 Ford, you'll find that it offers 43 look-ahead features, features that will keep it young in performance, young in style for years to come. Among them, you'll find the new automatic ride control for an easy ride, a level ride, the automatic mileage maker for real fuel economy, and new luxury lounge interiors with rich color harmonized Ford Craft fabrics. 
we invite you to see all 43 look-ahead features of this great new Ford for 1951 at your Ford dealers tomorrow. listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. The third act of My Favorite Wife will continue after a brief pause for station identification. Screen Director's Playhouse production of My Favorite Wife, starring Cary Grant as Nick and Irene Dunn as Ellen. Nicholas Arden is not a happy man. Wife number one has fled he knows not where, leaving behind only the thought that she has spent seven years on a desert island with another man. And wife number two sits glaring beside him as their car travels through the ghastly night. Nicholas Arden, don't you think you owe me an explanation? Yes, I do. Well? I can't think of one. <clears throat> oh, well, Bianca, you must think I behave very strangely. I certainly do. Mm -hmm. It runs in the family. The night my father was married, he pitched horseshoes until 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't care about your father. We've driven all night and all day without a stop. Uh, now it's night again. Mother never forgave him. Pitched horseshoes all night. Never won a single game. Oh. <laughs> Chinch? Yes, am Timmy? Yes, am No more stories. Not even one? No, it's time for bed. Do we have to go to bed, Grandma? If Ellen says you do, you do. Mm. Off with you now. Brush your teeth and wash your faces. Come on, Timmy. I guess we gotta. That ain't fair. Isn't fair. Ellen, dear, don't you think that they should know you're their mother? Oh, I'll tell them. I'm just afraid, I guess. Well, do you want Nick to tell them? No, no, I'll do it. Oh, there's Nick's car. Here they are. Ah, all right. Now, have you got it straight? Mm -hmm. You'll introduce me as an old friend of the family from the South. Oh, well, here we are. Hello. Coming, Nick. Let's go. Nick, aren't you going to carry me over the threshold? Why, there he is now. Oh, no. Oh, my, my, my. Look at that, Aunt Jemima. <laughs> Let me give the bridegroom a great big sisterly kiss well, just jo for luck. All right, sister, he's lucky enough. There. Uh, hello, Bianca. Uh, now, this is an old friend of the family from Virginia. Yes, her, her name is... Uh, her name is... Effie, uh, and you're the bride. Yes, she is. Now, you just run along home, Effie. 
Now, I I'm visiting here. Nick, I'm still waiting. Waiting? What for? The threshold. Oh. Uh, go on, carry over the threshold, Nicky, oh. darling. All right, well, here goes. Uh, is he just too sweet for words? He's just a doll. Over the threshold, Bianca. I tripped on Effie. <laughs> it was my clumsy old foot. Well, are you all right, dear? Let me help you up, dear. Oh, I'm so sorry. Will you all forgive me? I hope that doesn't mean bad luck. Nothing could give this marriage a worse start than it already has. Oh, isn't that nice? Oh, now stop it. <laughs> I'm just crazy about your husband. Crazy about him. He was the dullest boy you ever did see until he got gawky. Don't you think he's gawky? I think he's gawky. <laughs> I wasn't aware that I gawked. Please, Nick, I'm awfully tired. Well, let me show you to your room. Nick will show me. Oh, Nick and I want to talk over old times, don't we? No, we don't, we. <laughs> we can do it right here if you want. Nicky, remember the night we were married? <coughs> Bianca, Bianca, <laughs> why don't you go up to bed? Are you coming? Uh... In a minute, yes. I'll send Sugar Plum up just as soon as I'm through with them. Why don't you hush your big mouth? <laughs> now, don't make me mad, honey child, or I'll blab my head off. Bianca, uh, I'll see you upstairs. Oh, good night. Good night, y'all. Sweet dreams. <laughs> oh, Nick, you're in a terrible pickle, aren't you? You haven't told her yet. No, I haven't. And what about that, that, that Stephen Burkett? You ran out fast enough and I brought up that topic of oh, conversation. Well, well, I can explain about him. Seven years on an island together. Why didn't you tell me? Well, I knew you'd fly to conclusions. Well, after seven years, there's no place else to fly to. <laughs> Little old Stephen. Are you jealous of him? Oh, please, stop talking as though he were a casual acquaintance. Poor Stephen. He broke his leg getting on the island. It took a whole year to mend. Hmm. What about the other six years? <laughs> Nick, if you could only meet him, you'd see how silly you are. Silly? What's so silly? Well, he's such a little man. I don't think he weighs over 120 pounds, and he spent most of his time pursuing his hobby. What hobby? Nature. <laughs> <laughs> and plants oh. and things. Oh, Nick, he's so harmless. After all, a man over 60. Oh, 60? Yes, darling. Well, why didn't you tell me? Well, I, I'd ha I had a hunch you'd carry on this way. Nick, are you coming up? I'm coming right up. Nick Arden, I should feel insulted. You cross-examining me this way while that woman yells for my husband in my house. Oh, yes. Uh, the poor girl thinks she's married just because he, we had a wedding ceremony. <laughs> Nick! Coming. Nick, are you going to tell her? Sure. When? Now. Stout fellow. Oh, that's me. Kiss goodnight. Right. Mm. <laughs> oh, you Casanova, you. Nick, I'm waiting. Nick. Nick, I just want to know one thing. Do you love me? Bianca, you're one of the most attractive girls I've ever met. I'm your wife! Well, that's what I was coming to. 
Bianca, in the course of human events, it sometimes happens that two people get all fouled up. Oh, for the love of heaven, tell me what's wrong with me. Oh, nothing, Bianca. Believe me, under other circumstances, who knows? Oh, <laughs> Well, now, now look, let's, let's start at the beginning. Once there was a man who met a girl. I'm the man and you're the girl. Now, see? Isn't that simple? <laughs> what are you trying to say? Well, just this. Oh, the doorbell's ringing. Be right back. Yes? Yes? Hi. I suppose you're Nick. I suppose I am. Glad to meet you. Shake. Oh, how do you do? Oh, oh. oh hurt your hand? <laughs> Don't know my own strength. Who are you? I'm Adam from the island. Adam? <laughs> I guess Ellen hasn't told you about our nicknames. Nickname? I'm Stephen Burkett. <gasps> you are Stephen Burkett? Yeah. Guess we've got a lot in common, huh? Oh, undoubtedly. Now, tell me, this, this, uh, this nickname business, what did you call Ellen? Eve. Eve. <laughs> Adam and Eve. What else? Oh, that's clever. Say, uh, uh, you mind if I come in? Kind of a low door you've got there. Almost bumped my head. Well, at 120 pounds, Mr. Burkett, you would have made it easily. Oh, <laughs> uh, you're kidding me. I wouldn't kid you, Mr. Burkett. My, but you look amazingly spry for a man of 60. <laughs> I'm not 60. You're not? Well, that is a surprise. And how is your broken leg, Mr. Burkett? But I didn't break my leg, old man. I'm sorry. Once I, uh, once I sprained my toe and I kicked an alligator. Oh, sure. Kick. Now, imagine a nature lover like you kicking an alligator. Nick, come up here. Yes, Bianca. What was that? Well, that was a female alligator calling to her mate. <laughs> you see, you see, Adam, you don't mind if I call you Adam. Oh, not at all. Well, you see, Adam, I too am part of nature. The part that goes over the fence last. <laughs> now, listen to me, Adam. All I've got to say is that if you spent seven years on an island with my wife, I'm in trouble. We'll return to our drama in just a moment. Right now, here's a word from RCA Victor. You remember the wonderful one-horse Shay? It ran a hundred years to a day, but then went to pieces all at once and nothing first, just as bubbles do when they burst. Well, many of us depend on radios and phonographs practically in the one-horse Shea class. Faithful servants, but mighty pathetic beside new models. Don't wait till yours do that final bubble dance. Replace them now and save money. When you visit your RCA Victor dealer to buy your million-proof television set... Buy it in a magnificent RCA Victor combination unit, accompanied by two superb new radios, AM and FM, and two superb new phonographs, which play all record speeds. You'll pay far less for these five wonderful instruments combined in one beautiful cabinet than you'd pay for them separately. And, of course, right down the line, in all of them, you'll get that matchless quality which has made RCA Victor world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television.
now back to our story, My Favorite Wife, starring Irene Dunn and Cary Grant. And once again, the fates look down and laugh at Nicholas Arden as he tiptoes to the door of Ellen Arden, wife number one. The fates laugh, and Nick taps on the door. Nick! Shh, shh, shh. I was just going to bed. Mm. Ellen. I'd like you to tell me again about Stephen Burkett. Poor old Stephen. With the broken leg. <laughs> 120 pounds. Uh, 60 years old. <laughs> Nature lover. Uh, uh, <laughs> poor little old Adam. <laughs> Adam? Yeah, Adam. That puny half-pint is downstairs standing on his hands just for exercise. <laughs> Stephen? Here? Adam and Eve. I suppose I'm just the viper in the Garden of Paradise. <laughs> you are not. You're the apple. Nick, where are you? She's the viper. Now, why did you lie to me about... Nick, I did nothing on that island to be ashamed of. Well, what did you do for seven years? Swat tsetse flies? <laughs> in here, and I thought I'd just pop in and say hello. Well, you can just pop right out again. My wife's dressed for bed. Oh, I've seen her in a lot less than that, haven't I, Eve? <laughs> yes, but it was pretty foggy most of the time. Oh, <laughs> no time to talk about the weather. Now, see here, old man, there's no cause to get excited. Mm, my whole life is falling apart, and I can't even get excited in my own home. What are you doing here, anyway? I was lonely for Eve. After all, we used to see quite a bit of each other. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I might as well state my case right now, old man. I love your wife. Steve. I can't help it, Eve. You're an extraordinary woman. If Nicholas doesn't want you, I do. Do you want me, Nick? I'm not so sure. Well, Nick! Uh, Bianca, it's time you knew. I'm a married man. What are you doing in this woman's room? Well, she's no woman. She's my wife. <laughs> I'm your wife. Nick, what are you trying to do? Yes, Nick, explain to us. What are you trying to do? What have what? you got to do with this, Effie? Yes, Nick, what's Effie got to do with this? <laughs> what's going on here? Am I going crazy? I've been trying to tell you, Bianca. This is my wife, Ellen. The dead one? Oh, she's pretty lively. I can vouch for that. <laughs> Not to face it. My wife, Ellen, came back. All a mistake. We'll, we'll laugh about it someday. Ha, 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 ha. Bigamist. Oh! I'm seeing my lawyer in the morning. Nicholas Arden, you deserve that slap. Why did I? All I did was tell her the truth. Well, the poor girl's in love with oh. you. And what do you do? You walk all over. What I want to know is which one of us gets Eve. Stop calling my wife Eve. He doesn't like it, Adam. Now, stop that. He's just jealous, making mountains out of molehills. Mm, some molehill, a desert island. Which one of us do you want, Eve? Choose your mate. I'm strong and healthy. I'm just gawky. Well, I'll have to think about it's it. It's against the law for you to think. You're legally dead. Oh, well, we'll see about that tomorrow. Good. In court. Right. Bigamist. <laughs> I'm a victim of circumstances. You are not dead. Here I am. I'm a victim of circumstances. Quiet! Quiet! Pardon me. 
don't I know you? Hmm? I say, don't I know you? Well, you married me, Your Honor. Oh, yes, you're the lawyer. This is a civil court, Mr. Arden. We don't handle bigamy here. What kind of lawyer are you? What school did you go to? Harvard, Your Honor. I'm a Yale man myself. <laughs> Where's the Kistler's bride? Here, Your Honor. Bianca Bates. You're sure you're Kistler? Ask this miserable worm I was married to. She's Kistler's, Your Honor. Harvard man. <laughs> I want an annulment. You're granted. This is the happiest day of my life. You know, I used to know a girl who looked just like her. She's old neckties. <laughs> Your Honor, what about Ellen Wagstaff Harden? What about her? Well, you declared her legally dead. Yeah, so I did. This Harvard man here prepared the brief. But I'm not dead, Your Honor. Well, what do you want me to do, reverse myself? Go to the Court of Appeals. They're always reversing me anyway. Uh, if Your Honor pleases, I can point out the pertinent facts yeah, now, in the just brief. A moment, young man. Now, you see, right here and here. Uh, Ellen. Uh, <coughs> Ellen, what about it? Will you marry me? Oh, Stephen, yeah, well, thank you so much. Like but it's see. Nick. All right, Ellen. All right, well, I try. You, Mr. Arden, get off my lap. I don't need you to show me how to read a brief. You get down there with that woman. Yes, Your Honor. Well, you see, I have here a precedent for this case. I cite Mulligan versus Mulligan Benson in the city of Fresno, 1879. Are you going to complicate this thing? No, Your Honor. You see, the first wife returned after an absence of considerable length to find that her husband, Mr. Mulligan, had remarried. Yeah, but Mrs. Mulligan Benson, or rather Mrs. Benson Mulligan, the second wife... I, I don't understand this at all. Well, it was a sort of a Mulligan stew. <laughs> Young woman, I could hold you in contempt of court for that remark. Don't let me get after you. Yeah, well, well, Your Honor, when the first wife returned, the second wife immediately sued for annulment, which yeah. left Mr. Mulligan free to remarry either the first wife or the second wife, Mrs. Bulligan Manson, you see. Well, don't just stand there gawking. What did he do? Oh, he dropped dead of cirrhosis of the liver. <laughs> They never did find out whether he slept with his beard over the covers or under the covers. <laughs> now that remark is going to cost you $25. Uh, but, Your Honor, I I'm legally dead. All right, you're legally alive. And make it $50. Pay the clerk. Court's adjourned. Thank you, Your Honor. I want to go home and tell my wife about this case. She thinks most of my cases are dull. I still don't understand. Well, Ellen. <laughs> Here you are. Alive and kicking. Now you and Adam can get back to nature. Nick, aren't you ashamed of yourself saying a thing like that? Why? An hour ago I was a bigamist. Now I don't have any wife at all. Not one single solitary wife. Well, it's your own fault. What did I do? You were a jealous brute. Well, I've got a right to be jealous. Ellen, you know, I'll have to think this whole thing over very carefully. Yes, and maybe you'll make up your mind to forgive me for not drowning. Oh, well, it isn't that. It... Well, I've got some thinking to do myself, and I'm not so sure I want you the way you're acting. Well, Ellen, it's not that I don't love you, but... Yes, that you don't approve of me. No, Nick, I'll have to consider this carefully. I'd like to take the children go away for a few weeks, and that way we'd get to know each other better, and then I could tell them I'm their mother, and I can think about us. Where are you going to go? I don't know. The hotel in Yosemite, I guess. How are you going to get there? Oh, drive. Well, in this weather? Oh, it's not so bad with tire chains. Oh, no, not with the kids. I'll, I'll drive you myself. Well, if you want to. I think I'll stay until Christmas. That'll give us both time to make sure we know what we want. Leave tomorrow? 
Yes, tomorrow. Front, these bags to room 112. Now, sir, what can I do for you? My name is Mr. Pentwhistle. I'm Nicholas Arden. You? I brought my family. Mr. Arden, this is a hotel, not a harem. Just one wife, Mr. Pentwhistle. Me. What happened to the other one? Or um, am I being nosy? She was annulled yesterday morning. Well, congratulations. Now, I'd like two rooms. One for my wife and one for our two children. Uh, did children? Where did they come from? Uh, Mr. Pentwhistle. Mr. How would it be if I just told you the story of my life? My wife wouldn't approve. <laughs> Now, we have just two rooms left. They're adjoining. Sign here, please. Right. Oh, Ellen, where are the kids? They're admiring the big Christmas tree. Gint, Timmy. Golly, what a pretty tree. They've even got a model Santa Claus, all dressed up as big as a man. Mr. Eby, please take Mr. Arden to his rooms and warm the chambermaids. I won't be staying. I'm driving back tonight. Don't you want to see the Santa Claus, Daddy? At this moment, dear, I don't think your father really believes in Santa Claus. Well, I, I just said goodbye to the children. Oh, golly, I'm tired. I think I'll go to bed. Have a good drive back, Nick. Oh, sure, sure. I'll have to be careful. Awfully dark at night. Oh, I'm so tired. So cozy in here. Cold outside, too. <laughs> well, you'd better start now. Mm, you sure you don't want me to... Uh, to what? Well, stay with the children. Just tonight. No room. Well, we are married. But we agreed that everything is suspended until Christmas. Oh, yeah, Christmas. This is just the 7th of December. And... Yes, yes. Well, good well, night, Nick. Good night. I hope I get back all right. Well, I'm sure you will. Yeah. Well, goodbye. 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 Nick! Yes, Ellen? I just wanted to say goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Ginge, Timmy. We were just going... We were just going to bed. Well, I... I want you to sit down. You too, Timmy. Sure. I want to tell you something about your mummy. We're listening. Well, it's just... Well, we're all staying together, and I love you both very, very much. And that's because I think you're, you're wonderful children. And, and besides, you see, I used to know you a long, long time ago. And, uh, Go on, Mommy. What did you say? Well, you are our mother, aren't you? You, you knew? We eavesdropped on you and Grandma. Oh, you kids, come here. Hello, Mother. Mommy. What an armful you two are. Ellen. You two get into bed. Go, go on now. Good night, Mommy. Good night. Good night, Timmy. Well, is something wrong? Car won't start. <laughs> Are you sure? Positive. Well, then I, I guess you'll have to stay in the hotel for the night. Tried. No rooms left. Well, what are you going to do? Sleep in the snow. Thought you'd like to know. Well, maybe I can help you. Can you, Ellen? I'll give you a blanket. Oh, dear. 
What's that? Oh, chess. Doesn't mean anything. Oh, well, <clears throat> good night. Mm. Nice room you have here. Yes, I like it. Nice bed. Fine bed. Room for two. Oh, plenty of room. <laughs> good night, Nick. What about me? What about you? Well, what about me staying? Where? Here. Oh, no, couldn't do that. Wouldn't be any trouble. Well, the principle of the thing. Oh, I could even sleep on the floor. Oh, could you? No, no bother to you. None at all. Oh, well. Oh, come in. Thank you. Oh, no. The, uh, the floor? The floor. Uh, Ellen. Hmm? Are you comfortable? Very. I'm cold. Are you cold? No, I'm not cold. Go to sleep, Nick. I can't. Sleeping on this floor is like sleeping on a board. Well, we'll talk about it at Christmas time. Oh, it's a long time till Christmas. Eighteen days. Well, you don't care. You're not even sure you want me. Yes, I am. Now, be quiet. You'll wake the children. Christmas? Christmas. Timmy, yes, Ginch? I hear a man's voice in Mommy's room. Maybe it's Daddy. Somebody just left. Let's see. It is Daddy. Where's he going? Let's follow him and find out. He's going to the Christmas tree. He's taking the Santa Claus. No, he isn't either. He's just taking the Santa Claus suit. <laughs> now what's he doing? He's putting it on. Now what's he doing? He just stubbed his toe. I wonder what he's putting the Santa Claus suit on for. Daddy, is sure strange sometimes. Oh. Maybe he's just going to surprise Mommy. Nick. Are you asleep, Nick? Nick? Nick! Oh, where's that darn light? Nick! Oh. Merry Christmas! Oh, Merry Christmas! Oh, oh Nick! Ah, yeah, well, Christmas Nick. comes but once a year, and this is it. Come out from behind those whiskers. Come here, darling. Are we married? Yes, it's Christmas. Ah, Merry Christmas, Ellen. Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a uh, good night. <laughs> Thank you, Terry Grant and Irene Dunn. Our stars of My Favorite Wife will return in just a moment with our guest director, Leah McCary. Say, what happens at Bing Crosby's house when the Bob Hope program comes on? Well, here's Bing to tell us about it. By the way, Bing, did you happen to catch Bob Hope's program? Oh, Ken, the Bob Hope show is an absolute must in the Crosby household. Good. Every Tuesday night, we all gulp our dinner down, then we dash madly for the radio. We all sit in a semicircle, and we, we pay strict attention. Oh. The first one to laugh has to wash the dishes. <laughs> I see you make 
a regular game out of it. Yeah. Huh? Oh, then you heard Bob mention the new Chesterfield poster, the one that shows him holding up the new Chesterfield Christmas carton. Oh, indeed I did. I heard him plug my Santa Claus likeness on the carton, too. Ah, uh, you know, Bing, you make a very convincing Papa Santa Claus. Well, I've had a modicum of practice, shall we say. <laughs> anyway, it's a wonderful gift for just about everyone you want to get a gift for. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell, then you'll smoke them. This Christmas, give Chesterfield Christmas cartons with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. Next week, the Screen Director's Playhouse brings you a great actress and a swiftly rising young star, paired in one of Hollywood's most fascinating psychological dramas. Our story is The Lady Gambles, directed by Michael Gordon. And our stars are Barbara Stanwyck and Stephen McNally. Now... Here again are tonight's stars, Irene Dunn and Cary Grant. You know, Cary, we've got a friend to introduce. Yeah, well, there's no use beating around the bush with this fellow. All right, Cary, he's a producer. And the Academy Award-winning director of such pictures as The Awful Truth. Yes, Cary and I win that one together. Mm -hmm. And Love Affair and Going My Way. And he was also the producer of the picture we adapted tonight, My Favorite Wife. Ladies and gentlemen, Leo McCarey. Thank you, but I'd better clear up something right now. Since I was only the producer on My Favorite Wife, I'm just pinch-hitting tonight for the director, Garson Kanan. Oh, my, such disarming modesty. Only no, really, Carrie, I think there are times when the producer of a film gets entirely too much credit. When do you feel like that? When I'm directing. <laughs> The poor man's personality is split right down the middle. Very handy in our business, Carrie. It allows a guy to appraise his own handiwork. All right. Appraise my favorite wife. Well, Garson Kanan's direction was the epitome of comedy. The acting, well, the acting spoke for itself tonight. Irene, you were superb. Uh -huh. Carrie, you were positively brilliant. The two of you were just scintillating. Oh, come on, Leo. I wouldn't go that so far. I only said things that were written for me. Well, that's all I'm doing. <laughs> reading what's written here myself. Oh, now, wait a minute. No, we all have one more line, Leo. We have? Uh, good night. Good night. <laughs> and so ends tonight's Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's All-Star Festival, brought to you by the makers of Anderson for the fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Your local Ford dealer, who is now displaying the new 1951 Ford, the car that's built for the years ahead, and RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television. Meet all the gang at Duffy's Tavern tomorrow night on NBC. December 7th, 1950, My Favorite Wife, starring Curry Grant and Irene Dunn, They're on screen director's playhouse. It's Tuesday night. We're live December 2nd and December 12th. Excuse me. 2017, I'm Walton Hughes. John Lee had rehearsal tonight, and I bet Patricia probably went to bed early. So, we're holding down the forks. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope everybody's doing well. Well, today would have been Frank Sinatra's second, 102nd birthday, so why don't we play a Your Hit Parade? Looking back on Frank Sinatra a little bit.
Jaws Professional Christmas Shows Folders Christmas Shows Folders Screen Directors Playhouse 5 Y Your Hit Parade 481225 First Song Jungle Bells Extra Unloading Jaw Can't Oh Enter Chris Enter <laughs> Starring Frank Sinatra with Axel Sordahl, the Lucky Strike Orchestra, Eileen Wilson, Ken Lane, and the Hit Paraders. Presented by Lucky Strike. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Your level best. That's how you'll feel when you light up a Lucky. Because Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's important to you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And as you know, LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, mild, ripe, light tobacco. It's good to know that Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. By putting you on the right level, the lucky level, where you feel and do your level best. That's the lucky level, so smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the Lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of Luckies and get started today. And here's Frank Sinatra. Merry Christmas, everybody. And to add to the holiday spirit, here's an all-time Christmas favorite. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Yak, yak, bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Oh, Sinatra and the Hit Parader singing that seasonal Lucky Strike Extra Jingle Bells. And now, 
On with your hit parade and the top tunes all over America this week, as determined by your hit parade survey, which checks the best sellers in cheap music and phonograph records. The songs most heard on the air and most played on the automatic coin machines. An accurate, authentic tabulation of America's taste in popular music. Your hit parade. song number four. Here is Eileen Wilson unwrapping a Christmas package of musical good cheer in song number four, A Little Bird Told Me. A little bird told me that you love me, and I Of all the boys I know, dear, I'm sure I love you best. A little bird told me we'll be happy, and I believe that it's true. A little bird told me we'll be married, and I celebrate one of the jolliest times of the year is one of the jolliest tunes of the year. Number nine, Quando La Gusta. A 
someone said they just came back from somewhere. A friend of mine that I don't even know. He said there's lots of fun if we can get there. If that's the case, that's the place, that's the place, the place we want to go. Song number eight, the perennial Christmas favorite, returns to the survey in spot number eight, White Christmas. Send his season's greetings, Carol Axel Stoddard in the orchestra. Survey song number five, until playing the game.
Smoker Lucky to feel your level best. Smoker Lucky to feel your level best. Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're feeling low, calms you down when you're tense, puts you on the right level, the lucky level. It's important for you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. For as every smoker knows, LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, smooth, mild, thoroughly enjoyable tobacco. No wonder more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Luckies regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So next time you buy cigarettes, remember that Lucky's fine tobacco puts you on the right level, the lucky level, where you feel your level best and do your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of Luckies and get started today. Number six. A newcomer to the survey adds its lovely color to the traditional yuletide red and green as Eileen Wilson sings song number six, Lavender Blue. seventh place. Out of the survey's Christmas stocking tumbles a tune that makes the plaything out of romance. Number seven, You Are Only Foolin'. You were only foolin', but I was falling in love. It's a story as old as Adam But you were making believe You lied to me with kisses I tried to stop dreaming of 
song number 10. Here's a tune that lends a sentimental note to our Christmas greeting. Number 10, maybe you will be there. top tunes of the week as determined by your hit parade survey. Song number three. As heartwarming as the Yule Log itself is song number three, My Darling, My Darling. My darling, my darling, I've wanted to call you my darling for many and many a day. My darling, my darling, I fluttered and fled like a starling. My courage just melted away. Then all at once you've kissed me. And there's not a thing I'm sane enough to say. Except my darling, my darling. Get used to the name of my darling, it's here to stay. My darling, my darling, I've fluttered and fled like a starling. My courage just melted away. Now all at once you've kissed me. And there's not a thing I'm sane enough to say. Except my darling, my darling. Get used to the name of my darling. It's you. Survey tune number two. Eileen Wilson showers her musical gifts on tune number two on a slow boat to China. Get you on a slow boat to China All to myself alone 
my arms evermore. Leave all your lovely weeping on the faraway shore. Out on the briny with a moon big and shiny, melting your heart of On a slope to China, all to myself Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. And remember, LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. So smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. That's how to get on the right level, the lucky level, where it's fun to be alive, where you feel your best and do your best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get a carton of Luckies and get started today. Number one, the top tune of the week, the song the survey finds in first place. And here, topping the nation's musical Christmas tree for 1948 are the delightful decorations of tune number one, Buttons and Bows. East is east and west is west And the wrong one I have chose Let's go where you keep on wearing Those frills and flowers and buttons and bows Rings and things and buttons and bows Don't bury me in this prairie Take me where the cement grows Let's move down to some big town Where they love a gal by the cut of her clothes You'll stand out in buttons and the bows I'll love you in buckskin Or skirts that you've homespun But I'll love you longer, stronger Where your friends don't tote a gun my bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus hurts my toes. <laughs> 
Let the moose work gals keep using those silks and satins and linen that shows. And you're all of mine in buttons and bows. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is Frank Sinatra speaking for everyone on your hit parade and wishing you the happiest of holiday seasons. Good night, everybody. Your hit parade came to you from Hollywood's Radio City. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Christmas night, 1948. Your hip parade, Don Frank Sinatra, who would have been 102 today, born on December 12, 1915. Today is Toot Live, uh, December 12, 2017. I'm Warren Hughes out. Time to play Miracle on 34th Street, the screen director's playhouse, one of the better versions that's out there. We're going to play the one hour version. I believe the date on this is. December Jaws Professional Christmas Shows Full 20 West Truther Cop Theater Stars in Eight Songs by Sinatra Screen Directors Playhouse 501221 F082 Miracle on 34th Street Unloading Jaw Can't OK Enter Enter 
Screen Director's Playhouse, star Edmund Gwen. Production, Miracle on 34th Street. Director, George Seaton. This is the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. The Hollywood Screen Directors present a Christmas party for the 500 special girls and boys gathered here in our studio and for children of all ages everywhere. We present the delightful motion picture Christmas story, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original Academy Award-winning role of Kris Kringle. There is something electric about Christmas time in New York. From Thanksgiving on, the air is charged with excitement. And it's on Thanksgiving Day that Macy's Christmas Parade is forming for its joyous annual trek down Fifth Avenue. On the sidewalk, watching the bustle and commotion, stands a little old man. Resting easily on his cane, his bright eyes dart over the scene. He strokes his flowing white beard. And as he sees the parade Santa Claus in front of him, a merry smile turns his face into a mass of happy wrinkles. If you were to see him, you would think instantly of your own chimney, stockings hanging from the mantel, and that very face smiling at you from the flames of your fireplace. Suddenly, his brow darkens, and he strides importantly forward. Hello there. Hello yourself. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you... You're making a very serious mistake. Huh? Uh, with the reindeer, I mean. You've got Prancer where Blitzen should be. And Dasher should go on my right-hand side. Oh, he should, should he? Oh, yes. Look, bud, I'm busy, see? And I... uh, are you having trouble with your whip? Oh, it's none of your darn business, but I'm, I'm all snarled up in the doggone thing. Yeah, here, I'll help you. <laughs> you see, it's all in the wrist, and... Uh, and... <laughs> You've been drinking. That's ah, cold. Man's got to do something to keep warm. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Don't you realize there are thousands of children lining the streets waiting to see you? Children who've been dreaming of this moment for weeks? You're a disgrace to the tradition of Christmas, and I refuse to have you malign me in this fashion. Who's in charge of this parade? Oh, go away. If you don't tell me who's in charge here, I'll tell the police officer that you're drunk. All right. Mrs. Walker. There she is, across there. Oh. One in blue. Thank you. Mrs. Walker? Yes. Oh, you. What do you mean, taking your costume off? Now you get dressed and get back up on your float. Me? Oh. Oh, I'm very sorry. I thought you were our Santa Claus. Your Santa Claus is intoxicated. Oh, no. Don't tell me. Shameful. 
I won't stand for having these children disappointed. Well, I... Quite soon. I, w I wonder, could you be Santa Claus? Have you had any experience? Hmm? Well, a little. Would you? Please? You've got to help me out. Madam, I am not in the habit of substituting for spurious Santa Clauses. However, the... These children mustn't be disappointed, no. No, I'll do it. Oh, thank heavens. You'll never know how grateful I am. Get on your float, Santa, and thank you. Oh, Mr. Shellhammer? Yes? I turn it over to you, Mr. Shellhammer. Uh, you've done a magnificent job on it. And your new Santa Claus looks wonderful. Why, I hadn't noticed him until just now. He's the best we've ever had. Where'd you find him? I just turned around, and there he was. Well, I'm glad you turned around. Uh, I mean, I'm glad he was there. You just think if Mr. Macy had seen the other one. Just think if Mr. Gimble had seen the other one. Oh, don't even say that. What are you going to ride in the parade? Subway. I'm going home and getting a hot tub. And I might stay right there until next Thanksgiving. Susan, look at the parade. I've seen it before. The music's pretty. Yes, it is. Mother will be home soon, Mr. Gailey. I hope so. It would be nice for you to meet her. Yes, yes, I'd like that. But not before the parade's over. Oh, the parade. Say, look at that big baseball player. He was a clown last year. They just changed the head and painted him different. My mother told me. Wow, he's really a giant, isn't he? Not really. There are no giants, Mr. Gailey. Well, maybe not now, Susie. But in olden days... Not even then. Well, what about the giant that Jack killed? Jack who? Well, Jack, uh, uh... Jack and the Beanstalk. I never heard of that. You must have. You just forgot. It's a fairy tale. Oh, one of those. I don't know any fairy tales. You mean your mother or father never read you any? My mother thinks they're silly. I don't know whether my father thinks they're silly or not. I never met my father. You see, my father and mother were divorced when I was a baby. Oh. Well, uh... That baseball player still looks like a giant to me. People sometimes grow very big, but that's unnormal. Your mother tell you that, too? Yes. Well, hello. Oh, uh, I'm Fred Gailey, Mrs. Walker. Yes, I know. Susie's told me quite a bit about you. Oh, thank you. Hello, dear. How was the parade? Much better than last year. Well, thank you. I hope Mr. Macy agrees with you. I'm so glad you came in, Mr. Gailey. I wanted to thank you for being so kind, Susan. Theo told me you took them both to the zoo yesterday. Yes, that's right. But I must confess that was part of a deep-dyed plot. Oh. I I'm fond of Susie, very fond of her. But uh, I also wanted to know you. I read somewhere that the surest way to meet the mother was to be kind to the child. Well, it worked. <laughs> what a horrible trick. <laughs> the parade's almost over. Mother, here comes the Santa Claus. Oh, don't even mention the name. He's better than last year's. At least this one doesn't wear glasses. I see she doesn't believe in Santa Claus, either. No, of course she doesn't. Hmm. No Santa Claus, no fairy tales, no fantasies of any kind. Is that it? That's right. I think we should be realistic and completely truthful with our children. Not let them grow up believing in a lot of myths and legends, like Santa Claus, for example. I see. Yes. Uh, well, Mrs. Walker, I'm so glad to have met you at last. I do hope you'll let me drop in again. Mother. Yes, dear? I was thinking, we've got such a big Thanksgiving turkey for dinner, and there are only two of us. Couldn't we invite Mr. Gailey? Couldn't we? 
well, dear. Oh, uh, please, don't even think about it. I It's have... an awful big turkey. Well, it's not that, dear, but I'm, I'm sure Mr. Gailey has uh, other plans. No, he hasn't. He said so, and he told me to ask you. Oh, dear. <laughs> didn't I ask all right, Mr. Gailey? Uh, dinner's at three o'clock. Thank you. Thank you very much. Our story will continue in just a moment. But now here's a word from RCA Victor. When you go to select your television set for Christmas, you'll surely want to see a complete RCA Victor combination before you decide. You'll want to see an RCA Victor because it's America's favorite television. It's million-proof, proven in well over a million homes. And you'll want to see a complete RCA Victor television radio phonograph combination because here's your chance to get console television, console radio, console phonograph at a price far below the cost of all these services with comparable quality. They're magnificent affairs, which give you, in one beautiful cabinet, two RCA Victor radios, AM and FM, and two RCA Victor automatic record changers, in addition to RCA Victor million-proof television. You'll find them better-looking, better-performing in every way. But what will wed you to one of them for life is the fact that they give you so much for so little. Yes, they'll make you say, this is truly a wonderful buy. Remember, see your RCA Victor dealer for a million-proof television combination tomorrow. Here now is Act Two of the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Miracle on 34th Street. Starring Edmund Gwen as Chris Kringle. Thanksgiving Day is over. Macy's Christmas Parade was a smashing success. And the new Santa Claus, something of a sensation. There seemed to be an intangible quality about the old fellow which communicated itself to the children which lined the route. Mr. Shellhammer has persuaded him to come down to the store the next morning and try his hand in the toy department. As we look into the employee's locker room, we find Chris in a magnificent Santa Claus costume just pulling on his boots. Good morning, good morning. Morning. My, what a striking costume. Hmm? Did uh, we provide you with that? Oh, no, no, no. I've had it for years and years. Uh, I see. Well, before you go up on the floor, I want to give you a few tips on how to be a good Santa Claus. Oh, go right ahead. Well, here's a list of toys we have to push. You know, things that we're overstocked on. Oh. Now, you'll find that a great many children will be undecided as to what they want for Christmas. When that happens, you immediately suggest one of these items. Eh? Understand? I certainly do. Eh, good. Now, you memorize this list, and when you finish, come up to the seventh floor. I'll be waiting for you. Hey, don't be too long now. Imagine making a child take something he doesn't want just because a man like that bought too many of the wrong toys. That's what I've been fighting against for years. 
the way they commercialize Christmas. Well, I can't think of a better place to start this year's campaign, nor a better way to start than, than by tearing up this list. Oh. There. <laughs> I feel better already. Yes. Santa Claus, my name is Peter. Peter? Oh, yes. Peter's a fine name. And what do you want for Christmas, Peter? I want a fire engine, just like the big ones, only smaller. That's got real horses, and it'll squirt real wet water. And I won't do it in the house, just in the backyard. And cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> oh, well, Peter, I can tell you're a good boy. You'll get your fire engine. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. See, Mom, I told you he'd get me one. Well, yes, dear. Now, you run over and look at the toys. Mummy wants to thank Santa Claus, too. Okay. What do you mean by saying a thing like that? You saw me shake my head at you. I was trying to tell you I couldn't find one. Oh. I've looked all over. They're just not making that kind of fire engine. Now, 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 you don't think I'd have said that unless I was sure, do you? Let's see what my little book says. Hmm? Huh? Now, there, oh, here, here we are. The Acme Toy Company at 246 West 26th Street. And they're only 850. A wonderful bargain. You're recommending this company? Oh, I keep track of the toy market pretty closely. Well, does that surprise you so? Oh, it's not that so much, but what really bowls me over is that Macy's is sending me to another store. Well, the only important thing is to make the children happy, isn't it? And whether Macy or somebody else sells the toy doesn't make any difference. Well, don't you feel that way? Yes, but I never dreamed that Macy's did. Well, as long as I'm here, they do. Now, you'll find just what you want at F.A.O. Schwartz, 675. Bloomingdale's has exactly what the little girl wants, 249, that's all. But for Johnny's, Johnny's wagon, I'd suggest you, uh, yes, I suggest you get it here. We have the best wagons in town. Yeah. Oh, yes, we have skates, and they're very good skates, too, but they're, they're not quite what your little boy wants. No. Now, I'd suggest you, you go across the street. They have exactly what you're looking for there, at Gimbel's. Gimbel's? Oh, oh, you frightened me. Oh, this is Mr. Shellhammer. <laughs> He's head of our toy department. Well, well, I, I came back to congratulate you and Macy's on this new stunt you're doing. What? Imagine sending people to other stores. I don't get it. It's, uh, it's... Uh, it certainly is. You said it. To think that a big store like this puts the spirit of Christmas ahead of the commercial. It's wonderful. Well, I, I've never done much shopping here, but believe me, from now on, I'm a regular Macy customer. Well, thank you, madam. And thank you, too. And there'll be hundreds of other women who feel just the way I do, too. Now, I tell you... I, I must be going mad. I've never heard of such a thing in all my life. Well, you'll find she's right, Mr. Shellhammer. A lot of people are going to like it. An awful lot of people. Yeah, but the point is, will Mr. Macy like it? Oh. 
awful silly thing for us to be doing, Mr. Gailey. Well, I thought as long as we were in the store, you might as well say hello to him. Why? Because maybe when you talk to him, you'll feel differently about Santa Claus. Maybe. Hello, young lady. Would you like to come up and sit on my lap? No, thank you. No? What's your name? Susan Walker. What's yours? Mine, Chris Kringle. I'm Santa Claus. Ha. Oh, <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? Nope. Mm. You see, my mother is Mrs. Walker, the lady who hired you. But I must say you're the best-looking one I've ever seen. Oh. Your whiskers aren't loose at the sides. Well, you pull them. Go on, let's see why. I will. Oof. Hey, they don't come off. <laughs> That's because they're real. Just like I'm really Santa Claus. Now, now, what would you like me to bring you for Christmas? Nothing. Thank you. Oh, now, now, now. You must want something. Whatever I want, Mother will get for me. Oh, if it's sensible and doesn't cost too much, of oh. course. Susan! Hello, Mother. Hello, Mr. Gailey. Uh, hi. Come along, Susan. I think you've taken up enough of this gentleman's time. Goodbye, Come Susan. Bye. Bye. Uh, the, uh, explanation for all this is very simple. Your Cleo's mother sprained her ankle. Yes, I know. Uh, Cleo called me. I've been wondering where you were. He's a nice old man, Mother. And those whiskers are real, too. Yes, dear. Many men have long beards like that. Susan, would you mind sitting here for a minute? I'd like to talk to Mr. Gailey. All right. I shouldn't have brought Susie to Santa Claus, huh? Well, I'm sorry. Just that I couldn't see any great harm in Lily saying hello to the old gent. But I think there is harm. I tell her Santa Claus is a myth. You bring her down here, she sees thousands of gullible children and meets with a very convincing old man with real whiskers. This sets up within her a, a harmful mental conflict. What is she to think? Whom is she going to believe? Go on. And by filling them full of fairy tales, they grow up considering life a, a fantasy instead of a reality. They keep waiting for a Prince Charming to come along, and when he does, he turns out to be... We were talking about Susie, not you. Well, whether you agree with me or not, I, I must ask you to respect my wishes regarding Susan. She's my responsibility, and I must bring her up as I see fit. Okay, she's your kid. Exactly. Now I've got to go back to my office. You know, you've given me quite a bit to think about. Both about Susan and you. So long. Come in. They said you wanted to see me, Mrs. Walker. Yes, please come in. Hello there, Susan Walker. Oh, it's good to see you again. It's awful nice to see you. Oh, you're awfully lucky, Mrs. Walker. That's a lovely little girl you have there. Thank you. And Susan's the reason I asked you to come here. Oh. She's a little confused, and maybe you can help to straighten her out. I'd be glad to. Would you please tell her that you're not really Santa Claus? Hmm? That there actually is no such person? <laughs> well, I'm sorry to disagree with you, Mrs. Walker, but not only is there such a person, but here I am to prove it. No, no, you misunderstand. I want you to tell the truth. What is your name? Chris Kringle. Susan, I'll bet you're in the first grade. Second? I mean your real name. Well, that is my real name. Second grade? It's a progressive school. Oh. Miss Adams, please bring in the Santa Claus file. All the employment cards. That hat of yours is very cute. Where do you get such a lovely outfit? Macy's. We get 10% off. Now, please don't feel that you have to keep pretending for Susan's benefit. She's an intelligent child and always wants to know the absolute truth. Good, because I always tell the absolute truth. Now, Susan, about your school, what's the name of your teacher? 
Oh, thank you, Miss Adams. Now then, is this your card? Hmm? Let's see. Yes, yes, that's it. Name, Chris Kringle. Mm -hmm. Address, Brooks Memorial Home, Great Neck, Long Island. Age, as old as my tongue, and a little bit older than my teeth. <laughs> Susan, dear, you go in and talk to Miss Adams for a few minutes. I'll be right with you. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye, young lady. Hope to see you again. Thank you. I hope so, too. I'm sorry, Mr... Kringle. I'm sorry, but we're going to have to make a change. Change? Yes, the Santa Claus we had two years ago is back in town, and I, I feel we owe it to him to come... What? Have I done something wrong? No. No. Excuse me. Mrs. Walker. Mrs. Walker, Mr. Macy is speaking. I have just been informed of the new policy you and Mr. Shellhammer initiated without consulting me or the advertising department. I do not approve of your methods... But in the face of the tremendous response on the part of the public, I can't be angry with you. I admit it sounds ridiculous to me. Imagine Macy's Santa Claus sending customers to Gimbel's. <laughs> but you cannot argue with success. From now on, not only will our Santa Claus continue in this manner, but I want every salesperson in this store to do precisely the same thing. If we haven't got exactly what the customer wants, we'll send him where he can get it will be known as the helpful store, the friendly store, the store with a heart. That's a wonderful Santa Claus you've got there, Mrs. Walker. Don't lose him. You will find a more practical expression of my gratitude in your Christmas envelope, Mrs. Walker. My congratulations. That was Mr. Macy. Mm, talks a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> Sometimes. Mr. Macy suggested we find something else for the other Santa Clauses and uh, keep you on. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. That's mighty good news. You'll be here in the morning. I certainly will. You see, this is quite an opportunity for me. For the last 50 years or so, I've been getting more and more worried about Christmas. It seems we're all so busy trying to beat the other fellow in making things go faster and look shinier that... Well, that Christmas and I are getting sort of lost in the shuffle. Oh, I don't think so. Christmas is still Christmas. Yes, Christmas isn't just a day. No, it's a frame of mind. And that's what's been changing. That's why I'm glad I'm here. Maybe I can do something about it. And I think you and Susan are going to help me more than anybody. We are. How? Well, you two are sort of the whole thing in, in miniature. If I can win you over, then there's still hope. If not... Well, I warn you, I don't give up easily. No. No. Good night, Mrs. Walker. Good night, Mr. Kringle. And now, folks, let's eavesdrop on Bing Crosby and Bob Hope in their dressing room, discussing their sponsor. The Chesterfield people are wonderful to work for. Well, Chesterfield didn't hire us for radio alone, you know. We, we got to do a lot of personal work for the firm. That's right. We're here in San Francisco on a very special mission. I'm working the mural room at the St. Francis, and Bob is cigarette girl at the top of the mark. 
They tried Crosby at the top of the mark, but he got the bends. Seriously, friends, Skin Flint and I, we do agree 100% on this. Chesterfields are milder. And they leave no unpleasant aftertaste. So always buy our cigarette, Chesterfield. The best cigarette for you to smoke. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you'll smoke them. Don't forget to give Crosby for Christmas. I mean the Chesterfield Christmas carton with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. You are listening to the Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. The third act of Miracle on 34th Street will continue after a brief pause for station identification. Now for the third act of the Screen Director's Playhouse presentation of Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen in his original role of Chris Kringle. <laughs> Business is booming at Macy's. Chris Kringle's popularity is growing by leaps and bounds. Doris Walker is still worried because she cannot dismiss the thought that Chris is slightly unbalanced. And this seems logical to her because he obviously thinks he is Santa Claus. Fred Gailey, however, feels differently and has brought the old gentleman home to dinner. Chris has dropped into Doris's apartment to call on Susan. Hello. Hello. Thanks for inviting me to dinner. It was a great pleasure. Susan, I'm going to try again. I want a chance to prove to you that there is a Santa Claus. Well, now, there must be something you want for Christmas. Hmm? Something you haven't even told your mother about? No. No, there isn't. Oh, now, now, now. Why don't you give me a chance, eh? All right. I want a house for Christmas. Oh, you mean a doll's house? No, a real house. Huh? And if you're really Santa Claus, you can get it for me. And if you can't, you're only a nice man with a white beard like Mommy says. Now, 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 wait a minute, Susie. Just because every child can't get his wish, now, that doesn't mean there isn't a Santa Claus. That's what I thought you'd say. Yeah, but don't you see, some children wish for things they couldn't possibly use. Like, uh, well, like real locomotives or B-29s. But this isn't like a real locomotive or a B-29. Well, it's awful big for a little girl like you. Now, what could you possibly do with a house? Live in it with my mother. Well, but you've got this lovely apartment. I don't think it's lovely. <laughs> I want a backyard with a swing and a garden and lots of things growing in it. Oh. But I guess you can't get it, huh? Well, well no... No, I didn't say that. It's a tall order, you know, Susie, but I'll do my best. Okay. Okay, Susie. Let's have some dinner now, shall we? Huh? After that, I'll go to work on your problem.
Good morning, Mr. Sawyer. Ah, good morning, Mrs. Walker. I would like to ask that you give Mr. Um, the Kringle our test, if you will. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He's our Santa Claus, isn't he? And his name is Kringle. <laughs> How fascinating. How do you do, Mr. Kringle? How do you do? I must say that's a very ingenious name to have chosen. It did get you the job, didn't it? Or vice versa. What? Uh, I'll leave you two. Will you call me later, Mr. Sawyer? <coughs> yes, 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 of course. <laughs> now, Mr. Kringle. Yeah? To start out of the test. Who was the first president of the United States? George Washington. Um, uh, how much is three times five? Fifteen. How much did you say? Fifteen. You're rather nervous, aren't you, Mr. Sawyer? Do you what? get enough sleep? My personal habits are of no concern to you. Now, how many fingers do you see? Three. Oh, you bite your nails, too. <laughs> oh, that's often a sign of insecurity. Kringle, you will pay attention to what I'm saying. Oh, I'm or... sorry. I, I, I was just trying to help. I did not call you in here to help me, Kringle. I called you in here to find out about you, and I'm certainly finding out. So did I answer the questions wrong? I'm asking the questions, you old screwball. I don't believe that Mrs. Walker intended me to have this kind of examination. What? No. I have great respect for psychiatry and great contempt for muddlers what? who go around practicing it. Why, you... Are you a licensed psychiatrist? Oh, that is none of your business. I thought so. Mr. Sawyer, you are a phony. How... You ought to be horsewhipped. How dare you? Now, now, you leave this office immediately. I shall, but before I do, you listen to this. Now, either you stop analyzing, as you call it, at once... Or I'm going to tell Mr. Macy what a contemptible, malicious well, fraud you are. You get out of here before I throw you out. I wouldn't try that. Get out of here? There's only one way to handle a man like you. You won't listen to reason. You're heartless. You have no humanity. I, are you going to leave? Yes. There's only one way to handle your kind. My cane, if you please. Thank you. Oh! Good day, Mr. Sawyer. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Hello, Fred. Why did you do it? Well, he deserved it. Oh, I don't mean hitting Sawyer over the head. I couldn't agree with you more about that. But what you did here at Bellevue, I don't understand it. Oh, that examination? Yes. I failed it. Deliberately? Yes. So why? Why? Well, because for the last few days, I've had great hopes. I had a feeling people were beginning to believe, especially Doris. You know what happened. When I hit Sawyer, it was Doris who had me brought here to Bellevue. Chris, let me tell you something. Doris hasn't really believed in anything for years. You can't expect her suddenly Well, it's not, not just Doris. Now, there's Mr. Sawyer. He's contemptible, selfish, deceitful, vicious. And yet he's out there and I'm in here. Now, what makes him normal? Because he conforms to a pattern. Because he thinks and acts like the great majority. So... We've got a world full of Sawyers, and if that's normal, I don't want it. No. That's why I answered the questions incorrectly. But, Chris, you can't just think of yourself. What happens to you matters to a lot of other people, people like me who believe in what you stand for, and people like Susan who are just beginning to. Huh? You can't quit. You can't let them down. No. No, I didn't think about Susan. I... No. You're right, Fred. Quite right. How do we get out of here? Well, it's not going to be easy. Well, you've got to get me out. 
All right, Chris, I'll do my best. Oh, and while you're working on it, Fred, work on something else for me, too. Your case is going to be a full-time job all by itself. Yes, but you're... You're rather fond of Doris Walker, aren't you? I'm in love with her. Mm. How do you think she feels about you, Fred? I think if I could just crack that shell, maybe she'd be in love with me. Ah. If I could just get her to break down just once. Mm. Why don't you take her out more? I've tried. She's too busy with her job. Well, that's what I want you to do for me, Fred. Try a little harder. You know, those two are a couple of lost souls, and it's up to us to help them. Now, I'll take care of Susie if you'll take care of her mother. It's good enough for me, Chris. Uh, oh, one more thing. What? Do you like... Do you like living in Manhattan? Mm, it's all right, I suppose. Of course, someday I'd like to get a house out on Long Island. Not a big place, just huh? one of those uh, junior partner deals around Manhattan. you know? Yeah. Yes, I know the kind you mean. Why? Why what? Well, why did you ask that? Oh, I don't know, Fred. It just seems to me that as soon as Christmas is over every year, I get good and sick of the city, too. Every day you hear more and more about an incredibly fast way to relieve the pains of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. It's Anacin, A-N-A-C-I-N. Now, the reason Anacin is so wonderfully fast-acting and effective is this. Anacin is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anacin contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people have received envelopes containing Anacin tablets from their own dentist or physician and in this way discovered the incredibly fast relief Anison brings from the pains of headache, neuritis, or neuralgia. So the next time a headache strikes, take Anison. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison in handy boxes of 12 and 30. Economical family-sized bottles of 50 and 100. Ask for Anison at any drug counter. Now back to our story, Miracle on 34th Street, starring Edmund Gwen. So with Christmas right upon us, Chris Kringle is in Bellevue, with a competent authority of psychiatrists judging him insane. At any moment, papers of commitment will be put through the New York courts, which will keep Chris committed permanently. Fred Gailey has managed to file his claim for a formal hearing. In the matter of Chris Kringle, Your Honor, the commitment papers are before you. If Your Honor, please, I should like to call the first witness. Uh, proceed, Mr. Mara. Mr. Kringle, will you take the stand? Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning. Uh, before you begin, Mr. Mara, I want to explain to the witness that this is a hearing, not a trial. Mm. Mr. Kringle, you do not have to answer any questions against your wishes or even testify at all. We have no objection, Your Honor. Oh, I'll be glad to answer any questions that I can. 
What is your name? Chris Kringle. Where do you live? Well, that's what this hearing will decide. <laughs> A very sound answer, Mr. Kringle. Thank you, Your Honor. Do you believe that you are Santa Claus? Well, of course. The state rests, Your Honor. Well, Mr. Gailey, do you wish to cross-examine the witness? I believe he was employed to play Santa Claus. Perhaps he did not understand the question. Oh, I understood the question perfectly, Your Honor. No further questions at this time. Well, in view of the statement, do you still wish to put in defense, young man? I do, Your Honor. I'm fully aware of my client's opinions. In fact, that's the entire case against him. All those complicated tests and reports boil down to this. Mr. Kringle is not sane because he believes himself to be Santa Claus. An entirely logical and reasonable assumption, I'm afraid. Well, it would be if the clerk here or Mr. Mara or I believed that we were Santa Claus. Anyone who thinks he's Santa Claus is not sane. Not necessarily. For example, Your Honor, you believe yourself to be Judge Harper. And nobody questions your sanity, Your Honor, because you are Judge Harper. I know all about myself, young man. Mr. Kringle is the subject of this hearing. Yes, Your Honor. And if he is the person he believes himself to be, just as you are, then he is just the same. Well, granted, but he isn't. Oh, but he is, Your Honor. Is what? I intend to prove that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus. Doris. Well... Hello. Oh, I'm glad you're home. I read the paper, Fred. You're not serious about this. Well, of course I am. But you can't possibly prove that he's Santa Claus. Well, why not? He made Macy and Gimble shake hands, didn't he? That was impossible, but it happened. I'd like to know what your firm thinks about this. They are saying that I am jeopardizing the prestige and dignity of an old established law firm. And either I drop this impossible case immediately, or they will drop me. The old buzzards. Well, I guess that's that. Yeah, they left me no choice. So I quit. Fred, you didn't. Of course I did. I can't let Chris down. He needs me, and all the rest of us need him. Look, darling, I love Chris, too. He's a kind, wonderful old man, and I admire you for wanting to help him. But you've got to be practical. You can't throw your career away because of sentiment. I'd like to prove something to you. And I can, too. Turn on the radio. Why? Because I want to show you what's happened lately with sentiment become darn good business. It's all over the place. Everybody's doing it. Here. Ladies here it comes now. Listen. The car of the year is a good car. Please don't misunderstand. There are many good cars. They're higher priced and lower priced. If you'll bring us an idea of your requirements, we'll tell you very honestly whether we think ours is the car for you. If not, we'll recommend cheerfully the car you should have regardless of who makes it. Hear that? A year ago, that company would have killed themselves before okaying copy like that. And what's happening? They're doing the biggest business in their history. You can blame that on Chris. Yes, I know, but... Do you realize that a little old man that I'm defending is responsible for all those commercials? You know what he's done for the industry of this country? Maybe it's because public response has made it impossible for advertisers to be anything but generous, but it's his fault. He started the whole darn thing. But you can't toss everything out the window because of a sentimental whim. Darling, one experience doesn't make a life. You've got to have faith. It's not a question of faith. It's just... It's just common sense, Fred. Faith is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. And I guess these last few years, you've developed too much common sense. 
And yet, with all my common sense, I was just beginning to think it would work out for us. So was I. But... Can I help you with the tree? Thanks. I can do it. Well, good night. Good night. May I examine my witness, Your Honor? <coughs> Proceed, Mr. Gailey. Thank you. What is your name, sir? R.H. Macy. Mr. Macy, if you recognize the gentleman seated over there, will you please tell us who it is? Chris Kringle. Your employee, is he not? Yes. Do you believe him to be truthful? Yes. Do you believe him to be of sound mind? I certainly do. Mr. Macy, you're under oath. Do you really believe that this man is Santa Claus? Well, he gives every indication... I asked you, Mr. Macy, do you believe that this man is Santa Claus? I do. That is all. Your Honor, I object to this testimony. It's ridiculous, irrelevant, and immaterial. Mr. Gailey is making a circus out of this court. There's no such person as Santa Claus, and everybody knows it. Your Honor, Your Honor, I would like to request permission for my client to answer Mr. Murray himself. Granted. Mr. Kringle? Mr. Mara, I submit that what you have just said is a matter of opinion. Can you offer any proof that there is no Santa Claus? No, I do not intend to. This is not a nursery. This is the New York State Supreme Court. I'll not waste this court's time with such childish nonsense. Well, I don't mean to be presumptuous, but Mr. Mara seems to have appointed himself judge here, Your Honor. He's now ruling on what testimony I am introduced. Your Honor, I demand an immediate ruling from the court. Is there or is there not a Santa Claus? The, uh, the court will take a short recess to consider the matter. Oh, hello, darling. Have you been listening to the broadcast of the trial? Yes, I'm in my chambers. Oh, I've never been in such a dilemma. Why? Well, listen, if I go back in there and rule there is no Santa Claus, we'd both better start looking for that chicken farm right now. No, I won't even get in the primaries. What? Oh, stop. Listen to reason. I'm a responsible judge. I've taken an oath. How can I seriously rule there is a Santa Claus? What will happen? Well, I'll tell you. I rule there's no Santa Claus. The kids read about it. They don't hang up their stockings. So what happens to all the toys that were supposed to be in the stockings? Nobody buys them. You think the toy manufacturers are going to like that? So they have to lay off a lot of employees, union employees. Now you've got the CIO and the AFL against you. The department stores are going to love you too, and the Christmas card makers, the candy companies. Oh, honey, listen, as sure as you're my wife, if... If I do this, I can count on getting just exactly three votes at the next election. Our own and that district attorney, Mara's out there. Oh, and I just happen to remember that Mara's a Republican. <laughs> well, recess is over, my sweet. Uh, Korea, too, maybe. I'll call you later. Uh, 
before making a ruling, this court has consulted the uh, highest authority available. The question of Santa Claus seems to be largely a matter of opinion. Many people firmly believe in him, uh, uh, others do not. American justice demands a broad and unprejudiced view of such a, a, a controversial matter. This court, therefore, uh, intends to keep an open mind. We shall hear evidence on either side. Uh, Your Honor, the burden of proof for this ridiculous contention clearly rests with my opponent. Can he produce any evidence to support his views? If the court please, may my client take over for me? Well, well yes, yes, of course. Well, will, uh, will Thomas Mara please take the sand? Who, me? No, 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 Mr. Mara. Thomas Mara, Jr. Yeah. <laughs> now, Tommy, now. You know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie, don't you? Gosh, everybody knows you shouldn't tell a lie, especially in court. <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell me, do you, uh, do you believe in Santa Claus, Tommy? Sure I do. He gave me a brand new sled last year, and this year I wrote him that I wanted a... And what, what? does he look like? You. I... I object. <laughs> Overruled. Well, tell me, Tommy. Why are you so sure there is a Santa Claus? Because my daddy told me so. Didn't you, Daddy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you... You believe your daddy, don't you, Tommy? Huh? He's a very honest man. Of course he is. My daddy wouldn't tell me anything that wasn't so. Would you, Daddy? <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, that's all. Your, uh, Your Honor, State of New York concedes the existence of Santa Claus. But in so conceding, we ask of Mr. Gailey and his client to cease presenting personal opinion as evidence. Uh, the state could bring in hundreds of witnesses with opposite opinions, but it's our desire to shorten the hearing rather than prolong it. I therefore demand that Mr. Gailey now submit authoritative proof that Mr. Kringle is the one and the only Santa Claus. Your point is well taken, Mr. Mara. I'm afraid I must agree. Mr. Gailey, are you prepared to show that Mr. Kringle is Santa Claus on the basis of competent authority? Uh, not at this time, Your Honor. I ask for an adjournment until tomorrow. Morning, Chris. Morning, Fred. I'm afraid it's bad news, Chris. I've oh? tried every way to get some competent authority. I wired the governor, the mayor. Well, never but I mind, can't... Fred. Now, this letter means more to me than all the governors and mayors in the world. Who's it from? Well, you read it. No time now. They're ready to start. Well, well, well let me read just, to, just a bit of it. Do all right, it. go ahead. Well, listen. Listen, Fred. And I want you to know, Mr. Kringle, that I believe all you told me and everything will turn out fine. I hope you are not sad. Yours truly, Susan. <laughs> oh, P.S. Dear Mr. Kringle, I believe in you, too. Doris. So our two lost souls have found themselves, huh, Chris? A little late for you, though. Oh, I don't matter, Fred. They finally found faith. That's really important. Hey, take a look at the envelope. Why? Well, see how it's addressed? Yeah, let me look at that. Yeah. Chris Kringle, 
New York County Courthouse, mm -hmm. Center and Pearl Streets, New York City. Yes, yes, and I have two other letters from children here, Fred. They're just address Santa Claus. But I got them. Are you ready, Mr. Mara? Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Gailey? My client will speak for himself, Your Honor. I'm going to make a quick phone call, Chris. Go ahead, son. I've got an interesting book here. Your Honor... Uh, the defense has yet to bring in one concrete piece of evidence to substantiate this preposterous claim. Not one competent authoritative proof that this man is Santa Claus. On view of these facts, and especially since today is Christmas Eve, and we're all anxious to get to our homes, I ask that you sign the commitment papers without further delay. Uh, Mr. Kringle, haven't you anything to offer? Yes, yes, I have, Your Honor. I should like to submit some facts in evidence. They concern the post office department, an official agency of the United States government. The post office department is one of the largest business concerns in the world. Your Honor, I'm sure we're all gratified to know that the post office department is doing so nicely, but it hardly has any bearing on the case. It may have a great deal, Your Honor. Uh, may I proceed? Oh, yes, yes, by all means, Mr. Well, now, according to this book of regulations in my hand, the United States postal laws make it a criminal offense to willfully misdirect mail or intentionally deliver it to the wrong party. Consequently, the department uses every possible precaution. Your Honor, the state of New York is second to none in its admiration of the post office department. We're happy to concede all of Mr. Kringle's claims. For the record? Yes, for the record, anything to get on with this case. Then may I introduce these two letters as evidence, Your Honor? They are simply addressed to Santa Claus. No other address whatsoever. Yet they were delivered to me by bona fide employees of the post office. Now, could this be considered positive proof? Two letters, Your Honor, are hardly positive proof. I understand the post office receives thousands of such letters every year. That is true, Mr. Mara. I may interrupt, Your Honor. I should like to say that I have other exhibits, but I hesitate to produce them. We'd all like to see them, I'm Should sure. Should I get some more mail, Fred? Just watch. No. Oh. I apologize, Your Honor, for the staggering amount of evidence necessary, but you will notice being wheeled down the aisle nine truckloads of mail. Every letter on these trucks is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office department has delivered them. The post office is a branch of the federal government. Therefore, the United States government recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, as the one and only Santa Claus. The United States of America believes this man to be Santa Claus. This court will not dispute it. Case <laughs> uh, dismissed. I got your note, Doris, in court. Made me very happy. I'm glad, Chris. Mm. It's making our Christmas very happy to have you with us. I didn't get my present. Oh, but darling, you have loads of presents. Not the one I wanted. Not the one Mr. Kringle was going to get for me. Well, I tried my best, Susie, but... You couldn't get it because you're not Santa Claus, that's why. Hmm? You're just a nice old man with whiskers, like Mother said. And I shouldn't have believed you. Oh. I was wrong when I told you that, darling. You must believe in Mr. Kringle. And keep right on doing it. You must have faith in him. But, Mommy, he didn't get me the... Oh, it doesn't make sense. Faith, darling, is believing in things when common sense tells you not to. I mean, just because things don't turn out the way you want them to the first time, you've still got to believe in people. <laughs> <laughs> 
I found that out. You mean it's like that if at first you don't succeed, try, try again? Yes. I thought so. Come in. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Anybody notice they didn't get any presents from me? I did. Yes, I'll bet you did. And I'll bet your mother did, too, only she's too polite to mention it. Well, I've got two presents. One, Doris, is a little special. And it's just for you. Oh. It's very tiny. It's in a very tiny plush box. It's very round and filled with a lot of love. <laughs> you want me to leave? Stay right where you are, Chris. <laughs> all right, all right. I like it here. I've got another present. Where is it? It's in my pocket on a piece of paper. It's called an option. Well, what's an option? Something that means that nobody else can buy this present unless I don't want it. Do you want it? I want it if you and Mommy want it as much as I do. Look, Susan. Here's a picture of it. It's a house. Oh. It's my house, Mommy. It's my house. The, the very house I asked Mr. Kringle for. You asked Mr. Kringle for this house? Susie, isn't it wonderful to believe again? Oh, I do, Mr. Kringle. I do, I do. So do I, Chris. And that's the happiest Christmas that you could possibly give me. I believe too, Chris. You know that. Tell me something. Oh, anything, Fred. Who are you? Me? I'm Chris Kringle. Bye. Chris Kringle will return in just a moment with our guest director, George Seaton. But now, here's what happens when Bing and Bob meet on a shopping tour. Here we go. Where you been, genius? In some corner drugstore getting your kicks at the comic book counter? No, 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 I was at the prescription counter admiring your picture on the iodine bottle. <laughs> There's a delightful picture of you on the Lydia Pinkham bottle, too. <laughs> Seriously, friends, Skin Flint and I, we do agree 100% on this. Chesterfield is the cigarette that everybody ought to be smoking. Right, and they will, Bob, when they find out how easy it is to prove that Chesterfields are milder. Sure, it's the easiest test in the book. Just get a hold of a pack of Chesterfields, then open them, smell them, and smoke them. Compare them with the cigarettes you've been smoking, and you'll find that Chesterfields do smell milder, and they smoke mild, too. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins first place. That milder, mild tobacco never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. This Christmas, give Chesterfield Christmas cartons with Bing Crosby as Papa Santa Claus. Next week, another great star recreates a memorable role on Screen Director's Playhouse as we present our adaptation of one of Hollywood's most unusual films. Our story will be Alias Nick Field, directed by John Farrell. And our stars will be Ray Milland and Nancy Olson. Now, here again is tonight's star, Edmund Gwen. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Our play, you know, isn't really over. It's true that the pages of our script have been acted out, but, but that's, that's scarcely the end of Chris Kringle, is it? No. Anyway, not for the 500 girls and boys in our studio audience tonight. No, and not for you either, I expect. That's because the old duffer is completely timeless. 
And although this particular Kris Kringle doesn't seem to have any end, he did have a beginning. <laughs> yes, he began on the screen with one of Hollywood's most brilliant writer-directors. I'd like to introduce him to you now. The creator of Miracle on 34th Street and of such other films as Apartment for Peggy, The Big Lift, George Seaton. Thanks, Teddy. You know, we seem to be in, on the birth of a kind of a young tradition here. Well, it was just a year ago, George, that we did the same show, wasn't it? With the same wonderful audience of boys and girls. Another screen director's Christmas party, and Chris Kringle hasn't changed a bit. <laughs> well, that's one of the nicest things about playing Santa Claus. The part goes on and on, year after year. And, of course, we actors are very fond of those kind of roles. And directors are very fond of your kind of acting. Teddy, your performance in Miracle made a dream come true. Oh? Because when Valentine Davies and I started to write the screenplay, well, that's all we had to go on, a dream, an idea, just a hope that we could capture on celluloid that thing called Christmas spirit, and Teddy, you're it. Oh, my dear George, the way I fill a Santa Claus suit to bursting, I don't quite fancy myself as a spirit. You're Santa Claus to the fingertips. And you've got an assignment. What, to give a performance? To give out the gifts that NBC is giving to these 500 youngsters. Oh, I'll accept that assignment, yes. You'll help, Mr. Director. I'll help, Mr. Actor. Good, then since I'm still Kris Kringle, I'm really the most appropriate one to wish the audience a Merry Christmas from all of us on the Screen Director's Playhouse. May it bring you the most precious gift of all, happiness. Good night. And so ends Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's All-Star Festival, brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music and first in television, Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, and the makers of Anison for fast relief from the pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street was presented through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. Watch for Richard Widmark in the 20th Century Fox Technicolor production, Halls of Montezuma. Edmund Gwen may currently be seen in the 20th Century Fox productions, Mr. 880, and For Heaven's Sakes, which George Seaton has directed. Included in tonight's cast were Lorreen Tuttle as Doris, David Ellis as Fred, Gail Bonney, Joan Ray, Bill Conrad, Ralph Moody, Herb Rawlinson, Joel Nestler, and Jack Moyles. Miracle on 34th Street was adapted for radio by Nat Wolfe. The Screen Director's Playhouse is produced by Howard Wiley and directed by Bill Carn. This is Jimmy Wallington speaking and inviting you to listen again next Thursday when we present Ray Milland and Nancy Olson in Alias Nick Beale with Screen Director John Farrell. Listen again next week to Screen Director's Playhouse, the Thursday night feature on NBC's all-star festival of comedy, music, mystery, and drama. Listen tomorrow evening to the one and only Duffy's Tavern, the Friday night feature of the all-star festival. Join Archie and the gang at Duffy's Tavern tomorrow night on NBC. Alright, just got the phone with Brian Haygood, so we'll talk to you one tonight sometime 
after midnight Eastern Time here on Yesterday USA. Jaws Professional 1. Screen Directors Click. Christmas Show Alt Tab. Sound Forge Pro 